We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of our service today. Amen. Who's excited about Christmas time? Don't everybody get excited? Back it up, Terry. If you haven't seen that, you need to watch that. Not Uncle Terry. There's a video on YouTube. Anyway, never mind. That's Anyway, anyway, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. So good to see familiar faces, see everybody that we haven't seen in a while. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Look at somebody and tell them how much you are appreciative that they are in church today. Now look at the other person, the person you don't like as much because you looked at the other person first. And tell them, you sure look good sitting by me today. Amen. Amen. Christmas. You, you, by now, you know how much I like Christmas. I love Christmas. Uh, my, I have Christmas trees in my office. I've got two. They've been up long before uh, Halloween even arrived. Uh, I've been listening to Christmas music probably since September, even some during the summer, you know, just to, you know, you just got to do what you love, right? And uh, be you, be you. I love this time of the year. I do. But over the next few weeks, uh, well, until Christmas arrives, we're going to be talking about the Christmas story, but we're going to look at it through different lenses. We're going to look at it from a perspective that maybe you've never thought of before. And today is going to be one of those services, one of those sermons, one of those stories that maybe you can relate to. I know that I, I've been praying and many of you have been praying for this coming, the end of the year, and I've been praying for this service, this series for a long time, but this not by accident, as I've already said, that you're here today. It's not by accident. Today we're going to talk about adversity. What's that got to do with Christmas? We're going to talk about challenges and trials. And what's that got to do with Christmas, right? Because we have this mentality, we have this idea in our head of what Christmas really is, or what, what Christmas is to us. But today I want you to be challenged in a different way. So over the next few weeks, we're going, to, we're going to look at how Jesus' birth was a catalyst for the believer. For the believer to find hope in difficult times, to find hope in a true belonging, to find hope in peace, to find hope in eternal heart change through the birth, through the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. So I've titled this series, The Christmas Playlist. So each week, we're going to have a popular Christmas song that, that uh, everybody knows, everybody's going to sing along, but 
Each week we're going to look at a different song. So if you have your Bibles with me, with you this morning, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, if you, if you have your Bible in hand, find it. Matthew chapter 1, if you have it on your device, your phone, uh, you can find it there as well. And let, I don't, if you don't have a Bible, come see me. If you need a Bible, come see me. I've got some Bibles. Uh, I challenge you, bring your Bible to church. It's like going to war without a sword. Uh, you'll thank me later. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. Would you stand for the reading of the word this morning? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and, willing, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took, him, took his wife, but he, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, let me just kind of give you a point of reference. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2 in just a second. Let me just kind of explain something right here. When it talks about at the beginning of that passage that we read, it says, now, uh, when, his Mary, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Being betrothed means being promised. Back in those days, in that time, in that culture, it was, it was arranged marriages, basically. And it was initiated by, the, the, by, the, by the, the man's parents to be married. They had chosen Mary to be Joseph's wife. They were betrothed. They were promised to each other. They weren't married at this point. So Joseph, being, a, it says he was a good man, a respectful man, didn't know what to do. His fiance is now pregnant, and he wanted to divorce her. What that means is not the same as what we know as divorce today. What that means is that there was, prior to the marriage, there was a prenuptial uh, uh, paper signed knowing that this is way what was coming. It's kind of the same thing. But what was happening, it was going to be dissolved by a law before the marriage took place. Does that make sense? So we're all in. All right, go with me to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, however you say that, was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would just illuminate it within us. Allow me to deliver the word that you have, not my own, but yours, that you would move in hearts and lives. God, that you would speak to the needs, the situations, the, those that are here and those that are watching online. God, that you would move like you've never moved before. Speak like you've never spoke before. And God, let us leave here changed knowing that you have met with us in a supernatural way. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. So we're talking about adversity. We're going to talk, <clears throat> we're going to talk about Christmas time. There's going to be some things that are going to happen in just a few moments, so I want you to be aware of that. But we're talking about Mary and Joseph, and, and, and Skip, if you'll put those, we're going, we're going to talk about these two individuals right here and the lives that they, that they portrayed or the lives that they lived and who they were and what it meant to be in this time in history. Faith, adversity, hope, Joseph and Mary faced these things. But their faith and their hope in what was being promised to them was something of a supernatural experience. They pushed through the trials. They pushed through the trying times in their life because they both had an encounter with the Lord. How many times do we have encounters with the Lord? Now, I know that you, you may not be the same as Mary and Joseph where, where they were uh, something like a supernatural visitation from heaven in a dream or, or the angel of the Lord appears to you like it did with Mary but sometimes we have encounters with the Lord. We have encounters that push us, that call us to do what he has asked us to do. And sometimes it's not very easy. It's not easy at all. We could ignore it. We could walk away from it. But I'm so grateful that these two individuals right here did not walk away from that encounter that they experienced. Encountering Jesus today as a believer it gives us strength in the middle, in the midst of difficulty. And this is the reason to celebrate. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle bells. Snowball fights. Family together. Hot chocolate. 
snowball fights, gathering around the fire, family times together. Who remembers times when, when you were together with family, when the snow hits and snowball fights begin to happen? Who remembers sitting around a fire as a, with a family, roasting marshmallows? There's a little bit of nostalgia that comes. There are things that happen in our old families that brings us back to a place of remembering, the fun things, the fun times. Experiencing things like this will forever be marked in our life. Remembering things, remembering the, the snowball fights, Remembering the fun, remembering the, the, how cold it really, how cold it got, and your fingertips were so cold, and when you take your gloves off, they're either red or they're blue. And you remember those things. Those things are, are etched in your memory. You can go back as far as you want, even to when you were a kid. I remember those times. I remember the times, and do you remember the times, just as, as these kids and these adults, these families that are gathered around the fire, these are things that will forever be remembered. At Christmas time, we think that it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful thing that we can ever remember. When Christmas starts happening, when smells begin to come into your nose, when songs begin to play, begin to play, when the Christmas socks or the Christmas sweaters, they get to be broken out of the closet and get, get to be ready to be worn, or the Christmas uh, movies start getting played on TV, these are the things that bring back memories, and, and a lot of times it is the most wonderful time of the year. And today, they're making snow angels now. And today, as these guys celebrate Christmas, as they're thinking that this is the best time of the year, where do you sit today? How do you feel today? Can we give our guys a hand this morning? Thank you, guys. Snow's melted. You can leave the snowballs. It's fine. What happens when Christmas time does not line up with this song? What happens to Christmas when it doesn't line up to it's the most wonderful time of the year? What happens to Christmas? To this Andy Williams most famous song at Christmas time. Do you go back to Mary and Joseph? Skip, you'll put that back up there. Leave it up there just for a little bit. When we go back to Mary and Joseph, you see, we think about our Christmas time. We think about the things that always makes us happy or, or makes us giddy or makes us just, oh, I just, I just can't wait. I remember as a kid, Christmases. I remember those things. I remember our kids growing up and, and doing, and, and, and a lot of our 
a lot of my good memories, great memories, are when we were in Ecuador or in Costa Rica. And the fun things that, I mean, we couldn't get presents. I mean, what do you get a missionary kid, right? We'd wrap up peanut butter and a box of cereal. But it's those things that make you think about Christmas. But we, we fail to look at the, at the trial or the, the things that, that maybe these two went through at the very beginning. If we think about them and we think about the experience that they were going through, their, his earthly parents, their experience, it flies in the face of this classic Christmas song. Rather than singing and marshmallow roasting and throwing snowballs, and that doesn't happen a lot in, in, in the South, in Arkansas at Christmas time, but Mary and Joseph were faced with adversity. They were first faced with socially, social and political problems, as well as the high and the difficult calling from God. We read in Matthew, it, it's, it's, a, it's the part of the story that comes from Joseph's point of view. Then we read in Luke where, where they're having to leave and go to be in Bethlehem because of the, the social and the political part. They're going through a lot of junk in their life. Matthew tells the story with, with, from Joseph's experience. Mary, his betrothed, is pregnant. What do I do? How do I act? How do I react? What do I need to do in this situation? Joseph was ready to call it quits. He was ready to throw in the towel. He was ready to say, I'm not ready for what you for, for this. What I thought was right is now crazy. And in the eyes of the world, it is wrong. What are they going to think of me? Are they going to think that, that we've had relationship before we got married? Are, are they going to think that, that she was unfaithful? What are they going to think? Do I want to hang that on me? Do I want to be known as that kind of guy? And it says he had a dream. And sometimes we write off spiritual things in our own lives because we think it's been bad pizza or we think that it's just been, I just, it was a crazy dream. There's no way. We, we want to write off the move of God in our life because it doesn't fit our lifestyle. It doesn't fit the way I think it should go. Joseph, at the point of calling it quits, has a dream. And the angel of the Lord says to him, this is right. This is from God. What is conceived in your betrothed, what, is Mary, what Mary is, is going to conceive, she has been given by the Holy Spirit. So basically, Joseph goes from, from, uh, from a fiancé that's pregnant and it's not his child to now he's going to be the earthly father of the Messiah. Now that's a heavy load. He goes from one heaviness to another. He's weighing this out. Now this, okay, God, if this is you. And then they begin the arduous trek 
to all the way to Bethlehem. It's going to take about three, I think, three days to get there. They have to take food. They have to take water. They have to take warm clothes. They have to pack it all. She's in her third trimester. And all you ladies that have had kids, you know what that means, right? You're big. You got to pee all the time. And you're going to ride a donkey? You're going to make that trek. You're going to do something that's impossible. You're going to do something all because of a situation. Adversity. Adversity. Trials. Sometimes, most of the time, it's not easy to do what God has asked you to do. It's not easy. It's not to ourselves, to our own way of thinking, we want to write it off. It's too hard. I can't do that. I can't. I won't. The trip that they took. Took over a week. Sorry. Took over a week. We see the faithful hand of God in their life. And what we can only presume was just a stressful situation. You see, we think about Christmas and we think about this kind of stuff right here. We think about the kids gathering around the tree and, and we think about the opening presents and we think about going to the mall and we think about the snow and eating candy canes and, and watching Elf and, and all these things. We, we associate Christmas with our own selves. And we forget the story that got us to where we are today. The trial, the adversity, the hardship. You see, in verses 6 and 7 of Luke, the Savior of the world was born. They had to go through what they went through to bring the Savior into the world so we could have eternal life. What they went through was a price to be paid for you and for me. God is not deterred by your difficult situation. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, if you're in the middle of a situation that is difficult, that is hard, that is something that you don't want to fight any longer, you just want to think, God, why do you allow this to happen to me? God is not deterred by your difficulty. Mary and Joseph had a clear and a bold calling from the Lord. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 23, they each experienced the life-altering encounter with an angel that empowered them to follow the call. How many lives are changed because they followed the call? Your life was changed because of them following the call. How many lives that are going to be changed because of you following a call that God has called you to do? We want to write it off. We want to say, there's no way I can do that. But you can. You can do anything. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When trials come, when hardship comes, when adversity hits you in the face, what do we do? 
Do we tuck tail and run, or do we rise up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Because of them, because of what they did, because of the adversity that they faced, we can too face our trial. If God brought them through that to bring you to this place today so you can have freedom and experience a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it's worth it all. It's worth it all. As believers, we have experienced life-changing events, life-changing transformations, transformations that happen through Christ. It's an encounter. Do you remember the encounter that you had? Do you remember the moment that you were changed? Do you remember the time when you accepted Christ? Maybe it was at an, at an altar of prayer. Maybe it was in a revival somewhere. Maybe it was just in your truck, in your vehicle. Maybe it was at home. Maybe it was at a friend's house, wherever. But you and I both have experienced life-changing moments. And today, if you're here and you have not experienced that, then today's your day. It's not by accident that you're here. When we come into this house, we've been praying over this service. We've been praying for, for a long time for, for those that come into this house that would feel. If you walk out of these doors in any way, in any direction, you'll see a smudge of oil above the doors. They've been prayed over. Because I believe that the anointing of God comes into this place and it leaves and, resi and resides within you. When you walk through the door, that you leave changed and you come into the house. God moves in you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is real. Are you with me? Look, this time of the year, we've talked about the good times, the happiness, the pressure to make Christmas the most special time of the year. But let's be real. With the increasing usage of, of look, the song that Andy Williams wrote was, was, was in 1963. Some of the best Christmas movies are the old ones, right? You got... Miracle on 30, 34th Street, right? You've got, a, it's a wonderful life. My favorite is, is uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby. You've got all these old ones that brings you, I mean, it just hits you in your feels, right? I cry every time. Don't judge me. But we have these things but that remind us of Christmas and always wanting Christmas to be a special time of the year. With increasing social media, we don't have to deal with just a few braggy Christmas cards or Christmas letters, but instead we have daily reminders, right, of beautiful families and all the perfect smiles and color-coordinated outfits and on Christmas vacations, maybe in the mountains and there's snow skiing or all of these things, and maybe it's the perfect place setting at your table. Maybe it's a beach getaway for the holidays. All of these things just piles it on, right? Just piles it on. It just makes it just look, I just, you just, it makes it not so wonderful. Is it all true? 
Is it a facade? Is it fake? Is it a lie? Look, Christmas time, let's be real. Christmas time can be a very difficult time. It can be a time of loss. It can be a time of loneliness, depression. Holidays are great examples of expectations exceeding reality. It just can't happen. Maybe there's no presents to put under the tree. Maybe there's problems at home or problems with the family. Dr. Ken Duckworth says holidays are a great example of expectations exceeding reality. He also says that idealized images sold to people about what the holidays look like and how they should feel do not always align with family dynamics. The circumstances of people's lives or the other stressors that they may face, not everyone can afford to put presents under the tree. Many families don't have all the people they love reunited around the table. Let me just say this. It's okay not to be okay at Christmas. It's okay. You may not be traveling to Bethlehem like Mary and Joseph, but maybe you need to be traveling to a friend's house. Maybe you need to be traveling to see your therapist or a community program or to a prayer meeting or to a support group or maybe to find ways to serve others in the gap that you feel with the absence of loved ones. Look, I know what it's like. We know what it's like to be away from family at Christmas time. There were many years where we couldn't come home. There were years when Susan and I was in Ecuador by ourselves and the kids were here. Our first Christmas that Ethan, we brought Ethan home, and it was me and Susan and Megan. We were in Ecuador by ourselves, first time ever that we had ever been separated at Christmas time. You talk about hard. The only way that Ethan was a part of our Christmas that day was through a phone, was through FaceTime where we could see it. We took a family picture with Ethan on the phone and us holding it like this. It's hard. Christmas sometimes is difficult, especially when you're in the middle of something that you don't understand. When you don't understand what's going on or why this is happening to me, why am I having to go through this? When we remember the story of Mary and Joseph, it's okay not to be okay at Christmas. Little did they know that the baby, I mean, they knew what the baby was intended to be. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew his name was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. They knew that what was coming to them. But did they really? Did they really? Did they really see the fullness of what it was going to be like 
Did they really understand of all the things that he was going to do, the healings that he was going to perform, the miracles that were going to take place when he walks into the room? When he walks into the room, lives are changed forever. You think about the stories of the, of the, of the, of the ones that we read about in the New Testament, in the Gospels. We think about Jesus walking into a room we think about Lazarus being dead, being buried for four days, and him wrote, he says, move that, move that rock, move that stone, and he calls out Lazarus. Did they know that he was going to raise the dead? Did they know that he was going to move and be, and be the miraculous teacher that he was? Did they know that as he walked through the crowd, that the woman with the issue of blood that had been sick for all those years, as she reached out and touched his garment, she would be made whole? Did they know the extent, the fullness of him? Probably not. They knew what they had, but did they? Do you look at your life and realize, or do you look at your life and say, I, I can see what I have, but do we see the extent of it? Do we see the extent of the blessings that we have? Do we see the extent of the blessing that I can be or that you can be? All because of a decision that I can make to follow Christ? All because of a decision that I make to kneel at an altar and ask God to help me, to help me through this situation? If we look at Christmas, we can look and see the goodness, and we can look and see all the fun, the, the kids and the gathering around the fire, or sitting around a tree, opening the presents and seeing all the great laughter and the smiles. Has anybody ever cried over a present? I have. Susan does it to me every year. She gets me something that brings tears to my eyes. Because it's something that I wasn't expecting. I know that she's capable of it. But I never expect it to be what it is. The gift that you have today as a believer, you have a relationship with Christ. That's the gift that somebody's waiting on. <laughs> that's the gift. It's the gift that's worth regifting. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that moves and does miraculous things in lives. It's a gift that you just can't take and hold on to it and not share it. It's a gift that you share. Remember, we've been talking about the open hand mentality. God, you have done this for me. You have blessed me. You have been there for me. You've done all this. And yet, oh, I know I'm in, I'm in a pickle. I'm in a mess. I'm, I'm struggling here. But God, use me. How do you receive something? Tyler, if I was going to give you the keys to the church, how would you receive it? With an open hand. With an open hand. If he closes his fist, he can't receive that. The only way you can receive a gift from God is with an open hand. The only way 
If he needs something from me, is if my hands are open and it's passed that way. The only way you can give, the only way that you can receive is through the open hand of God. If you need a touch in your life, open your hand. Open your life. Open your life. Open your heart. Open your family. Open the doors of your home. Open up and allow God to pour out a blessing into your life. Because if you live like this, Christmas will only be about you. You'll withdraw. You'll move to a place where it's just you. And you'll dwell in loneliness, selfishness, and you'll feel sorry for yourself. Is that what Christmas is about? Is that what God's about? It's easy to do this, right? easy to pull away and be by yourself. This is not the easy part, right? It's for me to come in here and just get in among a bunch of people. This is my family. This is my family. This is your family. This isn't easy. This isn't easy sometimes, right? Because I'm shy. I'm not shy, but it's not my personality. If I want to experience God in his fullness, I've got to be willing to be uncomfortable, to put myself out there. Because if I withdraw, it's all about me, right? I've never experienced this fun stuff right here. Mary and Joseph, they had, to, they had to flee. They went, and they found family. There was no room for them anywhere. Nobody wanted them. They all had their hands closed. They all had their doors closed. They were shut out. But who showed up? Wise men, shepherds, the angel of the Lord. The world knows Christ today because of those two. And I know God's in on it, right? But just roll with me, right? They experienced an encounter with God. And they didn't do this. They did this. It's Christmas time. I already challenged you to invite somebody to bring them to church. Bring them to church. Bring somebody to church. Not only that, tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody about Jesus. We can easily get wrapped up in the American idea of Christmas. Christmas. 
I mean, Oscar the Grouch even sang a song, I Hate Christmas. But for the believer, regardless of the circumstances of the season, no matter what you're going through, there's a hope in Christ. There's an abiding hope in Jesus. Stripping away the expectations, the pressures, and the hardships that surround us. We can be confident that there is something else to celebrate. There's something worth celebrating. In Revelation chapter 21, it reminds us that the hope of the day, when grief is no more, Evil is gone. All we need is provided, and we live with God forever. That's eternal hope. That's the end game. That's what we're striving for. Just as style changes, the what you wear changes, your hairstyle changes. We were at, at our Christmas and this or Thanksgiving on Thursday, and my cousin Robert and I, we were looking through the photo albums, and we were noticing all of the big hair. When we were in the 80s, if you had stock and hairspray, you were a rich person today. Style changes. Hair's no longer up here. It's changing, and it, it may come back. I don't know. It's, it changes, but one thing does not change. And it's the story of Christmas. How it got here. What we read in Luke, what we read through all the Gospels, Set the tone for us today. It's not about the tree. It's not about the man in red. It's about the man that was born, lived a life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and sits at the right hand of the Father. So you and I can have eternal life. So those outside the church today can have eternal life. It's not just about us. It's about the world, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved not Hector first assembly, but he loved the world. Everyone gets a chance, right? Everyone. And it may be you. It may be on you. How do you live your life? Like this, like this. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This morning, 
I've hopefully painted the picture this morning of, of what God intended Christmas to be. We turn everything around. I mean, we've got Christmas with Santa Claus and Christmas trees. and I'm not preaching against that stuff. We got Easter with bunnies and eggs. Doesn't make sense. Christmas this year, let it take you back. Let it take you back to when your life was changed by the encounter that you had. Let Christmas this year be be about Jesus Christ coming into the world to change it. Let Christmas this year be about Surrounding yourself with those that may be in a bad spot. Maybe Christmas this year will be about helping a friend out, helping a stranger out. Let it be different. Introduce your kids to an angel tree. Making cookies for a neighbor or for a shut-in. Make Christmas something special other than presents under a tree. Make Christmas about Jesus. There's an idea. Maybe... Maybe today you're here and you say, Pastor, I I never thought of it like that. Never, Never thought of it being that simple as just thinking about Christmas time and not focusing so much on presents, not focusing so much on gifts and trees and decorations. Look, all that's fine and good. It's great. I love unwrapping presents. I love unwrapping the gifts that my, that my wife gets me, my kids get me, because they put thought into it. Because they love me. But think about the first gift. The greatest gift that was ever given was wrapped in swaddling cloth. And laid in a manger. It wasn't under a tree. It was in a stall. In a barn. Filled with hay. It smelt bad. It wasn't the cinnamon Christmas smell that reminds you of Christmas. It was something that was not so pleasant. But it was so worth it. (laughs) It was worth it. It was worth it because I come to know Christ, the one that was born in that manger. You come to know Christ, the one that was born in that barn 
with all those smells. But maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have that relationship. And I need it. I want it today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and right back down? Nobody's looking. It's just me. Or maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I I want to be different. I want to live with my hand open. I want to be able to bless. I want to do what God has asked me to do. The encounter that I had, I will never forget. I want to be different. Use me. There's a hand. There's a hand. There's a hand. Anybody else this morning? What's God saying to you? Maybe he's never said anything to you, but today, right now, he's speaking to you. Not in an audible voice. Yes, there's a hand. Maybe not in an audible voice, but in a spiritual sense. You feel something on the inside. God is moving and speaking to you right now. Hands are all over the place. Maybe you're here today, and maybe... Maybe you feel secluded. You feel left out. You feel alone. You're stressed. Maybe you feel ignored. Maybe you have depression. Maybe you feel lonely. I don't know. That doesn't have to be that way. You have a family that's here. You have a family. It's not worth being alone. It's not worth pulling away and sitting off by yourself or staying home and doing your own thing. We do, th- we do a lot of things at church. A lot of opportunities for everybody to be involved in. We do this because we need each other. The third Wednesday night, the third Sunday night of every month, we do our ministry groups. I can't speak for the others. All I know is what, what, us, what us guys do, what the men do. It is something special. I love it. We meet together. We pray together. We talk about the Word. We talk about hard things. We challenge each other. We even tease the women because they, they always do fun things. But last Sunday, we went up there, and they had been crying. They had had church. When we're together, we do life together. We fight together. We cry together. We laugh together. Why? Because we're family. We need each other. And if, you're, if you don't feel like you're a part of it, I challenge you to get, a, get involved. Be a part of it. But maybe, maybe you say, Pastor, that's just not me. Look, I know there are people here this morning that have, that have changed. That's not their personality. And they stepped out and God has blessed beyond measure. Open your hand. Open your life. Let others in. Let God in. 
that's you this morning, do you recognize by lifting your hand so we can pray? Anyone this morning? Yes. Yes, amen. Amen. Do you stand all over this place this morning? Hands lifted all over this sanctuary for many things. I want to pray with you this morning. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if this, if you raised your hand and you want us to and you want us to pray with you and for you, I want you to step out from where you're at right now. Nobody's looking. There's, there's no judgment here this morning. We want to pray for you. I want to pray with you this morning right here in front. Would you step out from where you're standing and make your way down here? Let's pray together. You're not alone. You have a pastor that loves you. Susan and I, we love you. We pray for you. Can we pray for you today? And Father, you know the heart and life of everyone here. Challenge has been given, Lord. This Christmas, it's going to be different. We're going to open our lives to those that are in need. We're going to be encouragement. To those that are down, we're going to bring hope to hopeless situations. We're going to bring peace to unrest. It's not about us, Lord. We're, we're, we are going to be your hands. We're going to be your feet. We're going to be the voice because of the testimony that you have given us, the lives that we live, because of the decision that we make to follow Christ and live a life open. We're going to try our best, God, to be what you have called us to be. To be the one. To be the one that shares. To be the one that hugs. To be the one that smiles. To be the one that shakes the hand, hugs the neck. To be the one that pays for a meal. To be the one that takes a gift to a friend in need. You've called us to be the one that shares the love of Christ. You've called us, God. You've called us. You've set us apart. Lord, we know. We know we don't, we don't go anywhere by accident. But wherever we are, wherever we go, God, you have put us there. Wherever we are, God, you're sending us. You have a purpose, God, in which we are present. Christ who dwells in me, Lord, I know you've got something to do through us. We believe it, God. We believe it. We go in your grace, in your love, and in your power. You called us to be the one.
love you, First Family. Pray you have a great Sunday afternoon. Remember, no church tonight. Remember.